Welcome back to another episode of Becoming the CEO podcast, where we gather to be educated, empowered, and energized. It's your favorite CEO, Sabrina C. This week, we are joined by the serial entrepreneur extraordinaire, Tristan of Tris Pies Incorporated. Hi, Tristan. How are you? What's up? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining us this week. Thank um, you for having me. You're welcome. So for the past, I want to say three years, past three years, I don't remember how I came in contact with your brand or anything, uh, but I know for the past three years, you've been on my timeline. <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Hopefully I got another three years in me. That's, that's, that's great. <laughs> you've been on my timeline. Um, I also have seen you connected with our newly elected council member, council member Kevin Riley, um, who I have had the honor in working closely with in government here in New York City. So just having that connection with Kev and seeing you work so hard in, you know, your business, your pop-up shop, I was like, I had to have him on the podcast. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I had to have you on for season three. It was just a must. So to get into the questions for today, what did it take for you to be here with us? Um, share your becoming journey. Your becoming journey. Oh man! So I want to say what started as a joke in 2012. Like you know, yeah, I'm gonna start you know making sweet potato pies. It was you know the typical what you bring in for Thanksgiving, and um, I saw like over time it kind of just became a stable thing like Tristan is bringing a sweet potato pie like it tastes good and then it started getting out to a few other friends and family and then it started to become a request like oh can you make me a pie for Thanksgiving I'm like yeah I got you because it was only a Thanksgiving thing at first um so you know as the request grew I kind of said hold up people are asking me for pies you know let me throw a little price on it and this was just before I had just had one pie, an original pie. That was it. I think I was charging like $10 or whatever. And, um, you know, I was doing that for a couple of years. And then I kind of just took off, took a break, whatever you want to call it. And then back in like, I want to say maybe 2018, 19, you know, I posted on the gram, like, yeah, Tris Pies is back, you know, place your order, et cetera, et cetera. And that Thanksgiving, I want to say I did maybe like 12 to 15 pies, you know, nothing crazy. And, um, I was like, all right, see y'all next year. Cause like I said, it was just a Thanksgiving thing. And Christmas is rolling around and everyone's like, oh nah, you gotta do it. I did a poll. I said, you know, what you guys want me to do? And everybody's like, yeah, like 90 something percent. So I'm like, all right, cool. So that Christmas I sold over like a hundred pies. And when I when I when I saw that, I was just like, oh wow, like this is this could really be, be a thing. Um and then I think I did another poll, like, how would you guys feel if I told you Tris Pies would be a thing that would be here all year? And everybody was like, yeah, absolutely. And then the rest was pretty much history. You know, after that, I just kept baking throughout the year. And then um, that March, so like I mentioned, this was that Christmas. So March of 2019 is when I turned it into like an official business. And then, yeah, like I said, the rest was just history from there. I like the fact that you utilized um, your Instagram. This podcast exists because of an Instagram poll. A lot, yeah, a lot of things exist because of Instagram. You know, it's definitely a, a gift and a curse. <laughs> so you um, have a master's in social work. You're the man mm -hmm. behind Tris Pies. Um, you're the man behind Geo Theories. That's 
That's yes. Okay. And you also have Tris Brand Pop Up. Share with yeah. us how all of your businesses intertwine and how you built them. Uh, so I would start first with Geo Theories. That's like my first baby. Uh, you know, I graphic design has always been like a passion of mine since middle school i was in like seventh grade um one of my uh, friends was like yo look at this was like some you know random graphic he made in photoshop and i was like oh this looks pretty dope and then i just pretty much just been engulfed in a sense and i remember telling my parents like yeah i want to become a graphic designer and they're like you know jamaican like nah doctor lawyer you know the typical so i'm just like all right whatever but luckily i continued doing it you know because i enjoyed it it was something i really like doing and I want to say, I kind of, I think I started like making money from it, you know, once I was in like college and then I said, okay, you know, I could do logos, flyers, you name it. I used to do a lot of artwork for like different campus based organizations and my school itself, my organization. And, you know, I guess just over time, over the years, you know, I just got better and better at it. And then fast forward to, I want to say 2016, when I graduated with my master's in social work, this is around a time when Snapchat filters, custom Snapchat filters kind of like, you know, blew up, so to speak. So me and um, one of my bros in my fraternity, we had a, um, a, a party, like a brunch kind of thingy for our, um, we both got a master's around the same time. And I created a Snapchat filter for that event. And people started, um, you know, people saw it. I was like, oh, where'd you get this? How'd you get that? That's dope. So I started doing Snapchat filters for people. And then that's where the name, you know, Geo Theories came from. It's like the whole, you know, geographical location thing for the Snapchat filter. And it was a play on like DJ Khaled. Again, all this like Instagram stuff. And then, yeah, of course, like everything else just was incorporated with like the logos, the flyers, the, I mean, you name it, the list is so long. Um, so that's kind of how Geo Theories tied in. And then, you know, with Tris Pies, I learned so much from kind of like different things I did and didn't do with Geo Theories. I made sure that I made the right choices and did the right things with Tris Pies. And, you know, all of my graphics, all of my promotion, everything is like done by me. Cause it's like, I do graphic design. I don't have to really outsource like the shirt. I made it, you know what I mean? So, um, and then that's also how like the whole pop-up came about because i looked at it like all right well i have two businesses like you know graphic design and two title pie so i kind of put them together and you know trist brand um and i realized that there were so many individuals that i know friends and family with you know dope businesses and things like that so i was like well let me create a space for us to all kind of come together and network and, and mix and mingle across all you know other entrepreneurs and things like that and um, I had the first one, I want to say, in I think it was either 2018 or no, maybe 19, I believe. Um, another Black-owned business, uh, this woman, she had a, um, a spot out in Queens and she was renting it out the space. Um, I just booked the space. I had no idea I was going to do a pop-up shop. I just booked the space because the deal was too good to be true. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, I should do that. And then it was such a huge success. I had about like maybe it's anywhere between 10 to 15 vendors and everyone was like, oh, we're going to do the next one. And, you know, COVID hit. So that kind of paused things for like the next year. But then 2021, I came back with the pop-up again. This time I did that another Black-owned business in Brooklyn. Um, it was summertime. Well, it was like, May. it was in May actually, but it was very, very nice outside. So we were both inside and outside. It was just a huge vibe. And then I went back with them again for the third installment. Um, I want to say for Black Friday, yeah, that's when it was. So, you know, just all around dope 
lives and just different people connecting and getting to meet, you know, other businesses, other entrepreneurs, like-minded individuals, everyone's, you know, making money. So it's just a win-win for everyone. So that's kind of like how all of those intertwine came about, mesh now. And so, yeah. How have you managed to take a seasonal product like pies and make it boom all year round? So that I would say is is one of the things that I was kind of concerned about initially, right? That's why I wasn't a, 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 a all year round kind of thing. But I just think, you know, doing things such as having like pop-up shops, right? And, you know, a few other things I have like that I'm considering certain things are in the works, but having things like pop-up shops and, you know, just having uh, a good customer base, like people who, you know, really believe in your product, really want to support you, really, you know, want to share. Um, and then I think, you know, just having a good product, you know, regardless of whether people typically have your item or your product at a certain time, if it's like a good enough sustainable product, then people are going to say still, you know, it's still going to be sought after outside of, you know, the, the seasonal time. So, yeah. So instead of typical merch or Trist Pies, I've noticed that you have candles um when did you implement candles to your inventory and why was that a need? so um that was a, that's part of you know one of the things i was speaking about in the previous question right like having things that people can say still use year-round um so a friend of mine who also is a super dope entrepreneur she has she makes and creates candles um we were talking and the first and the first one that i had it was like a collab with you know her and i and it was a seasonal thing but i remember i think it was the day she launched it it was the the highest selling candle on her website and it yeah it was just like it sold out almost instantly and it was just like a great collab and everyone just jumped all over it. everyone enjoyed it and I remember um, having a conversation with her afterward, like, yeah, I think I might want to, um, you know, bring that over here, like, permanently and kind of like, let's let's talk about that. Let's figure something out. So, um, you know, based on the, the the response that I received the first go around and that, like I said, it was just a collab. You know, I myself, I love candles. I love anything smell good. Like, I'm there. So I just felt like not only is it something that I resonate with, it's something that I use personally. Um, I also thought that it would be a good play and a good way to kind of just keep Tris Pie still relevant, even outside of the holidays where things are typically the most busy. So, yeah, that's kind of like how that happened. It was a collab that went really well. And then I just said, you know what, let's just sort of make this a permanent thing. Do you have any tips um, on branding? Yes, I think one of the things that I just mentioned um, in the previous thing, I would say whatever it is that you're, say, looking to brand yourself behind or stand behind let it be something that you actually you know are aligned with or something that actually resonates with you because i think nowadays especially with like social media right we see all these challenges we see the reels and this popular trending sound and like there's so many different things you can kind of just attach your name or your brand or your business to that isn't really aligned with who you are who your business or the direction you're trying to go to or go in rather so i think just kind of sticking in your lane so to speak and like stick staying true to yourself you will definitely find and figure out different ways to say brand and set yourself apart and you know so definitely don't just like jump on every i guess trend or hip thing so to speak because it, it might not 
align in the best light with you and your brand. Yeah, authenticity sells. Yep. Definitely to force anything. It might seem appealing, especially like you said with all of the TikTok and real chat. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many ways, you know, that things evolve like Instagram. Instagram today is not what we know it to be back in like- Not, not at all. I mean, I, I saw something where they said Instagram is li- like, is no longer about photos anymore. Yeah. Like I saw, and it's, it's, it's true, it's true. Everything is a real, everything is a IGTV, a story, a live. People seldom check for photos ever. Like, it's just like, oh, you posted a cool photo, that's what's up, but you know. I feel like, and I also feel like that's what's making Instagram lose its imprint because we were so fascinated with just having a space to post pictures of anything, like just yeah. new sneakers, like that's what Instagram is known for. But because it has to compete with TikTok and just Snapchat all- and all of that, yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. no, let's just shift to video. Um, I feel like the only social media platform that's still authentically itself might be Twitter. Minus the fact that they put in like that new, um, that the group where you can like, everyone's on audio and talking. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know about that because Twitter that, it's so funny you speak about Twitter because again, just what it was, what it is now. I remember back in like maybe 08, 09, like, you know, college days, I feel like Twitter was, for me at least, was a heavy, but over time I kind of just, you know, like I'm not even really on Twitter like that anymore. So to hear this, like what you just mentioned, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. I didn't even know that. But I do, I would also see like every once in a couple hundred eighty days or something like that would randomly go on, and it like to your point, it does look very much so consistent to what it's been over the years. So yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, um, with being in constant creator mode, how have you maintained yourself emotionally, mentally, and physically? that is that is a a great question and that's such a a tall task i think you know in in almost everything you know you do because even since i was in like fifth grade i feel like i always had that hustler spirit the hustler's mentality always trying to find like oh look at the way this glass is set up i could you know maybe do this make a dollar like you know so i just think you know consciously reminding yourself that okay you know, it, it's not, it is, you don't always have to kind of be on the go, right? And then even from a spiritual sense, just believing in God and knowing that he will always take care of, and he is already taking care of everything that's going to happen, everything that's going to be, no matter how much you try to grind and hustle and all, like it's, whatever's going to be is going to be. Um, So just kind of tapping into that as a reminder, like, all right, you know, let me put the computer down, let me put the phone down, let me not bake today, but just really having that time to just kind of sit and I guess check in with life so to speak because it's very easy to just be so caught up in just working 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 or even thinking about what's next right like okay where are we taking a company what are some things and you know that I want to do or what's another company or another venture or something I might look into be in real estate stocks I mean it's just always like you said constant creator mode but I think just always uh reminding and also having people around you too to kind of keep you i guess grounded so to speak um you know so i think those those things are definitely important how does your culture play a part in your business um how do cultural elements add to your businesses 
Well, culturally, um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier or not, but I'm Jamaican. My family, whole family is in Jamaica. Um, I was born here, but I consider myself Jamaican. Um, <laughs> my father, you know, and it's so funny too, because he has his own business. He Well, he's retired now, but he, you know, came here from Jamaica. He was working in a garage for like all of a week and then he stopped and did his own thing. And um, but growing up that like the whole entrepreneurial thing was never really pushed on us it was very much so education 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 which now as a 32 year old i look at that a lot differently but that's a totally different episode <laughs> um but i would say though just kind of seeing his hard work his you know grind his work ethic it definitely instilled a, a sense of just like hustle like i mentioned before and grinded me and just always you know, as a man, right, just, you know, wanting to, say, be married one day, have a wife, have kids and things like that, and being a provider, and also, you know, being Jamaican, like, my, well, that was one of the things my father always said, like, as a man, you have to do this, you have to do that, so for me, it's always kind of like, all right, well, I want to make sure that my wife, my kids never say need for anything, right, like, I know that if and when things go down, like, it's me at the end of the day, so I always want to make sure that I'm like 10 steps ahead or even at this, say, younger age, I'm putting certain things in place and making the right place. So when I'm 40, 50, I'm chilling, you know what I mean? So definitely, I think just the whole and of course, you know, people make jokes all the time. Jamaicans have like 10 jobs. I mean, there's some truth behind it. I myself have typically have multiple streams or multiple jobs. I mean, you know, so, yeah, definitely played a major part and just always wanted to, like, you know, excel and, and making sure that, you know, my family unit is good, like, you know, when I get to that place. So that's what, you know, where it came from for me. Yeah, I think foundationally, I, too, am Jamaican. I was born there and mm -hmm. when I was two. Um, so people say I'm Jamaican, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just say I'm Jamaican. Ain't no Jamaican, nothing, I'm Jamaican. <laughs> that's, that's just what we're going to do. <laughs> Facts. Um, but yeah, I definitely relate to just the constant need. I feel like as West Indian people, we don't like to not have. Um, mm -hmm. and there's that natural pride that we're born with to never ask or be in need. Um, culturally, I feel like we're super prideful people, so that also feels like, all right, I don't feel like I should stretch my hand to anybody, so I'm going to work to make sure mm -hmm. I have what mm -hmm. I need to have. Gift yeah. and curse. Um, no, definitely. And yeah, that's what I was going to say that too, because, you know, for me, and I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like me being a Jamaican, me being a Virgo, like it, it's super hard for me to ask for help. It's super hard for me to ask or say I need help. I'm very big on doing a lot of things my, on my own. Um, yeah, like if I ask for help, I really need help because I rarely ever do. But like you said, that can be a gift and a curse. So because then I feel like if we don't, if we continue to fuel the pride then we don't ever receive what our tribe has to offer us and as you mentioned earlier you yeah. need that tribe of people when you know people it helps your business it helps you personally and it also helps you physically spiritually emotionally so when 100%. we constantly be like well i'm not gonna ask or i'm not going to um in any mm -hmm. way or taking away from your people helping you or your people being there for you. So I'm working on it as we talk about it. Right. <laughs> um, you are one third of the scholarship foundation, Him Scholars. His interests are mine. I like that name. Um, 
Tell us why you and your partners found its creation and purpose important. Um, I think it was it was super important for us to do myself and my two of my line brothers, you know, my fraternity. We decided to create that because we are all in the similar, you know, lane in the sense like one is also a social high school social worker like myself and another one is a counselor in a school. And, you know, we all realize the importance of kind of just having that help and that support along the way. Um, especially for young black men, right? Because this particular scholarship is, you know, geared towards young black men. And um, we all were work are working in the um, Department of Education. So again, just we figured out, okay, we we we've got to this point in our careers and our lives. You know, some are married, have kids, all that kind of stuff. You know, doctor degrees, master's degrees. You know entrepreneurs like we have so many different things and attributes about us so we just said okay let's kind of um come together and really um you know give these young gentlemen uh, a little i guess step or a little head start you know um we had uh a essay portion we had like an interview it was like a whole you know thing and then at the end we had like a culminating event where we pretty much spoke about it in front of a bunch of friends, family, we introduced, we brought their family out and we presented them with like, you know, the award checks and stuff like that after we say, pick the winner. So yeah, we just really felt that, you know, we had a lot to offer to these young kids and just also, it's not, it's not just like a, we gave you some money run along, like there was a mentorship portion behind it as well. Like, you know, we still kept in contact with the award winners and just kind of checking in with them in college, like, you know, how the school was going on and feeling because, also working in the high school, I've seen it so often that, you know, you have students who graduate and then it's like, yeah, they may have the grades to go to college, but are they actually college ready? And that's like a totally different thing. So, or they will go to college, start college and by like the first semester, they're no longer in school. So, you know, just, just that continuity and then also to kind of somewhat introduce them to, or even just see where their mind is at from like an entrepreneurial space. Because nowadays it's like, a lot of people, you're either an entrepreneur, you know, 100%, or you, you, you know, you have one foot in, one foot out, like you're working the nine to five, you also have your own. And being frank, you know, it, it's that's one of the uh, ways to survive, especially here in New York City, you know, it's very expensive to live, you know, time's only getting crazier. So it's like, nowadays, you can't really have just the typical nine to five and say, all right, yeah, I'm good. So that was also kind of like a component about it as well. What? do you think led you to social work? So initially, um, you know, growing up, I used to always say that, you know, I, I felt that people always came to me and, you know, wanted to talk, seeking advice and all these kinds of things. So initially I was looking into psychology. I actually have a bachelor's in psychology, but when I found out to like where the big bucks were in psychology, I was like, okay, I don't want to do all that school. <laughs> so, um, you know, let me see what's going on with this whole social work thing. So when I got my bachelor's, like fresh out of college, I was working with my sister's like best friend from like pre-K. Um, so we were working at a um, company, uh, JCCA. I was like a case associate or whatever. We're a real entry level first job out of college, but it was, you know, geared in social work. And, you know, after a while of doing it, I was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. Like, I like this. Um, and then I went to um, this agency. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think Bronx Works was after that. And I was like, you know, case manager, you know, all those entry level kind of jobs. And then um, that's when I was like, all right, 
I want to go back and get my master's so I can really start making some money. And I was looking into counseling because I knew I always wanted to like, I also knew I liked working with kids because when I was in, working at JCCA, I was working at like the foster care um, co um, capacity and then Bronx Works, I was in a family shelter. So I was, you know, working with kids. And when I found out with say counseling, you could only like pretty much be a school counselor and that's it with a master's in social work it's a bit more like you can work in a hospital you can work in a school you can have your own private practice like there's a lot more you can do with that so that's why i went that route um and then also you know just knowing okay one of the better places for a social worker is in, a, in the school system which is how i you know ended up there nice for the black and brown men who are listening to today's episode what's some advice you would give them um for the black and brown men listening that's that's a some advice for them i would say always stick with what you want to do and not necessarily what everyone else is doing or, you know, the friends or the crowd or, you know, whatever other influences there might be around you. Um, because a lot of times, you know, we have these great ideas or ambitions, be it, you know, on an entrepreneurial level or even academically, right? Like, you know, you're in school, you you know that you're not the, t the kind of kid to say cut classes or, you know, like you're a good student, so to speak, right? But then you kind of somehow end up in these other, I guess, areas and then or following someone else kind of thing. And then it's like, you know, you get to a certain place and you're like, damn, I wish I could or should have, could have, would have. So I think just really sticking, sticking to like what you want to do, you know, having tunnel vision in a sense and, you know, really staying focused and getting to where you want to get and then, you know, branch out and do other things after. I just think sometimes people you know, lose focus and lose sight of what's most important and, you know, end up making certain decisions that aren't, I guess, reversible or even, you know, land them in a, a much tougher position had they not done or said, you know, some of those things. Do you have any thoughts to open a bakery? So that's been uh, a, a common question for years, right? Like a lot of people are just, you know, you really need your own bakery. I, I, I've never really put a lot of thought into it. You know, some of the things that I've thought about is like the overhead, right? Like having an actual, you know, store and just what that cost looks like. And, you know, even having to say, jump into that full time, quitting my nine to five and like, all right, because I, I don't think that it would be possible to do both. Like I would literally have to just, yeah. you know, separate cut ties from everything else and solely focus on that. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say never. I don't want to say it's not going to happen. Who knows? It could be something that may happen in the near future, but yeah, I don't know. Do you want to share any exclusive products with the VTC audience? <laughs> um, so I am working on an exclusive product, but it's it's so it's so fresh. I, I like I'm not I'm not gonna say much about that, but what I will drop for y'all, um I have been in conversation with a store. 
and we're actually having a tasting this week. So I'll just leave it at that. So, you know, prayerfully, um, you know, y'all be seeing a lot more of me very soon. So that that's the exclusive without saying so much. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'll take, we'll take that. <laughs> um, and in closing, my final question for you, we have... It's come up throughout our conversation, just having a nine to five and also um, balancing entrepreneurship. Do you feel personally that having a nine to five makes you any less than um, compared to someone who is a full time entrepreneur? Absolutely not. I think that's a common misconception. People look at it like, oh, you know, you can either do one or the other. I think I'm a prime example. You can do both. You know, like I've made a lot of money, you know, entrepreneurially, be it through graphic design, Tris Pies, both. I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, I think one thing I would say is that when it comes down to say like scaling and like your business growing, getting bigger and so on and so forth, you know, at times it could be a little tricky when it's like you have say a nine to five and you have, um, I guess like your, your business. But if, if you say, are in a space where you're not 100% sure as to how big you say you want your brand or your business to get or, you know, beginning stages and things like that, um, you know, you can definitely do both. And I, and I would also highly recommend anyone who would say doing both. Um, set your business up to the point where you don't need your nine to five anymore, right? Like, don't just say, you know, all right, well, I'm gonna just do this because... You know, anything can happen, right? You always want to have something to kind of, you know, land on, so to speak. So, I, I, I mean, and I, I salute to those, kudos to those who just, like, quit their jobs and just go, you know, face first into their business. I mean, teach his own. But I also think that you can definitely do both. And for me, I would get, I would like to get to a space where, I'm consistently making more money in my business monthly than my say nine to five. Cause at that point it's like, well, I'm only doing it because I want, so I don't have to. Yeah. So, but it's definitely, it's definitely possible to do both. And I don't think that you're any less than somebody who is fully immersed or focused on a business and doesn't have a nine to five. Thank you. I totally agree. So I want to commend you for all of the great work that you're doing for scaling your business and managing, you know, growing in your manhood, managing your businesses, being a son, you know, all of what you're doing, I want to commend you for doing it. I'm noticing a trend with season three that I'm having on more males than females, which is a good thing. Um, and my co-host was saying to me, you know, well, I feel like we have a whole bunch of men scheduled and I'm like, well, we're how many spaces are there? Where are the spaces that exist that highlight, you know, young black men who are balancing life as it comes and, you know, making an honest living while also influencing and impacting others. So I definitely want to thank you for making the time today to join me. Um, I will place all of your businesses and where people <laughs> find you in the show notes. Um, definitely check out Tris Pies. I have definitely experienced it myself. I don't know if you remember we um, in the park. I think it was in the valley. I remember. I remember. Yeah. 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 So I have experienced it myself, and I'll tell you, it's great. So definitely shop with my guy. 
um, and check out GeoTheories. But again, thank you, Tris. Any final words? Thank you for having me. You know, I really appreciate it. You know, like you said, I think I don't think there's many spaces to uh, speak to these things. Or oftentimes, as black men, we're not really portrayed in the best light. You know, especially in the media and things like that. And you know, there's quite a few of us out here. You know, doing some some dope things. You know, making moving and shaking, making some um, dope moves. So I, I appreciate you for having me. This is such a super dope. Um, platform and you know if you if you need more people i know i know quite a few uh people so you know um again just thank you for having me i appreciate it you're welcome and i'll see you guys next week don't forget to subscribe to share this episode and to rate this episode at trispaz on instagram trispazing.com place your order yes (laughs) 